Try to keep warm. Welcome to Hand Off Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 345 of the internet's oldest English language Argentine football podcast. I'm Sam Kelly and this week I'm joined by Andres. Hello and welcome. Commiserations, Andres. Thank you. Uh, We are, of course, mainly uh, reviewing Argentina's Copa America performance. They went out in the semi-finals, although since we last recorded... They did manage a much better than expected performance um, against Venezuela in the quarterfinals as well. So we'll have to try and look back on that. But mostly, of course, we're going to be considering the fallout from the 2-0 defeat to Brazil on... um, Tuesday. Thank you. That was yesterday, wasn't it? No, No. it was two days ago because today's Thursday. That's right. Yeah. Uh, And looking forward, perhaps a little bit, to the third place playoff, um, which is a replay of the last two Copa America finals. That was, I think, the the match uh, looked by or uh, wanted by at least Argentinian or most Argentinian supporters. Uh, yes, looking back to those two finals in which Argentina lost to, to Chile, both on shootouts, but uh, lost anyway. So it did, they will have this match, but not uh, in order to win the cup, of course. Um, and yes, of course, I, I, I am... Perhaps you will ask me whether... About my feelings or, or what I what I think about the, the the match in which Argentina lost to Brazil, which I think it was something I wouldn't say that easy to predict or to preview, but uh, it's no surprise about the, the result. Even when Argentina also uh, uh, I think repeated their improvement, uh, taking into account the first the, the group stage. Mm. Uh, in fact, I think they improved a bit, even a bit more. Uh, uh, but wasn't enough. Um, I think that they, the players, uh, uh, did their best efforts. But uh, uh, to to defeat Brazil, you must, I think, have a, a very more uh, a much more uh, t- a, a team which which whose players are. are com- uh, I mean, determined in, in, in what they are doing, and I think that still there are still things to uh, things pending to do there. Even when, well, now we could say that uh, we didn't even expect to play like this, or or, or even to play semi final. Uh, if we, if we remember the the the, the performance that Argentina had in the past, uh, just to mention a match we mentioned also here previously against Venezuela mm. uh, in front in Madrid. Um, so it's not all everything. Uh, it's not uh, every, everything is not negative or, or pessimistic, but uh, we can't say that Argentina is back to the first places of football. Of course, no. Um, that was a, a nice summary. Thank you. Um, against Venezuela, 
we were, I, I think I said last week, I had a sort of gut feeling that Argentina were going to, to come through and be able to dig in and get something against Venezuela. Um, against Brazil, the gut feeling was very much that Brazil were going to win. But I'd, I'd agree, like, by and large, yeah, against Venezuela, they were much better than I expected. And against Brazil, actually, they... Uh, I don't know whether you could really say they were the better team, even though they dominated possession, dominated shots, um, and all the rest of it. Brazil were much more efficient, but also Brazil just sort of looked more confident and, and more aware um, of what they were playing for still. Um, but yeah, by and large, it, it, it's been a, a better copper for Argentina now than it looked like it was when I recorded with Dan. Um, this time last week, previewing the uh, the the quarter fight. Well, yeah, okay, eight days ago. That was when Argentina had uh, had qualified to the uh, quarterfinals with um, ha- having defeated the quarter. Yeah, with with a two 0 win over quarter, and I mean that that's one of the things, right? In this Copa, so far, we have to to um, accept where we're, we're going to try and, and review everything as evenly as possible. And one of the first things that I want to point out, because I was watching some of the, the news and the, the chat shows and some of the discussions earlier on the television. Um, and, you know, people were saying, well, we'll get into who the next manager is going to be or, or whether there is going to be a next manager in the short term. Um, but people were pointing out that Scaloni had now played against, you know, five of the nine other teams in Conmebol. Um, that might give him a bit of an advantage in terms of the experience that he's got going into the World Cup qualifiers. He's going to be playing Chile twice as well between now and when the World Cup qualifiers begin because um, uh, of course they've got them in the third place playoff on Saturday and then their first friendly after the Copa America is against Chile in Los Angeles Um, so that kind of feeds into it as well but for all of the fact that he's played those sides Argentina only actually managed to get one win against another South American team in this Copa because the 2-0 win over Cuata was a 2-0 win over Cuata Mm. who are not South American as geography fans may be aware um, and against Brazil, I think it was at least in Brazil, uh, nine with this was were nine uh, defeats and only two draws with no victories. Yeah, this this was the ninth officially. win. Yeah, uh, between Argentina and Brazil in Brazil, it was the eleventh time they played overall. And as you say, Argentina had never managed to win away, which I guess puts it into perspective as well. I mean, far better managers, far better. Far better managers than, than Lionel Scaloni and far better Argentina teams than, than this Argentina team have played Brazil in Brazil before and have not been able to uh, to get a result against them either. Um, so that it's not to say there's anything to be ashamed of in the manner that they went out. Um, it was the first match of the Copa, really, in which Argentina went into it as, as underdogs, um, which is not to say that we thought that they were going to beat Colombia. I can't remember what I predicted before the Colombia game, but... Um, I, I certainly didn't didn't uh, see um, uh, Argentina as, as the massive favourites, but in the eyes of the team themselves, in the eyes of the vast majority of Argentine fans and everything, the, the game against Brazil was probably the first one that they went into feeling like, okay, if we want to play like a small team and sit back and try and hit them on the counter attack, we can get away with that without actually annoying any of our fans. Um, and yet they took the game to them, and, and with a little bit more luck and maybe slightly more judicious use of the video assistant referee, um, Argentina could have could have had something. Yes, that's strange. Of course, uh, of course, uh, the Argentinian uh, uh, t- trend or, or the, what they used to to do when something like this happens is to, of course, put a lot of excuses uh, 
uh, and say that if the bar would have worked uh, uh, the, the, the other night, uh, Argentina would have been able to at least draw the game uh, or have better chances to at least be close in the, in the results. But uh, I won't do that. I think that, uh, of course, bar, bar was uh, incredibly useless the other day. Um, I, and, and we have Messi, who is, uh, is always, or he used to, uses to be, usually is uh, calm down and, 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 and he tries to think what he's saying. This time he uh, declared like Maradona. I, I read that and I agree with that, that he was uh, talking like Maradona, uh, very, very angry. Uh, of course, uh, uh, it's something to, to review or to or to try to to uh, talk about. But I won't. I wouldn't say that. Like like uh, Chiqui Tapia said in the letter he sent to Conmebol that if the bar bar would have uh, been able to to watch those plays in which Argentina suffered apparently two penalties, the Argentina would have uh, qualified to the final. Mm. Um, that's that's true that the bar didn't work and, and something uh, well that we we must say that but not uh, to put it as an excuse or, or the reason why Argentina lost. Um, I think that um, Brazil, as a team, uh, doesn't need to play brilliantly to 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 score goals and uh, similar to other teams in, in which they need only two or three attacks well played to to. Uh, get the victory and Argentina needed uh, I think seven, eight, I don't know I don't remember the number of of, of just on target including uh, two uh, uh, the ones in the bar, in the bar and uh, the other uh, in the post one from Aguero the other from Messi and and even though even so couldn't uh, finally uh, score um, <clears throat> yeah um, I'm just looking up the shot numbers now but it was something like that on target because I think it was 14 in total. Really exciting to listen to this bit, isn't it? Um, sorry, listeners. Uh, it was, yeah, 14 in total on target two. Um, oh, but then, of course, two which hit the post as well. And I think two sounds low. Uh, so I'm, I'm not sure whether they've they've forgotten one or maybe they haven't counted. Oh, they're not counting block shots among that. We so, have the yeah, Paredes also, the, the, the shot from Paredes, long distance. Yeah, which went just over the bar. Um, but, yeah, it, it's... So the first thing we should, we should cover, I guess, we, we should try and get down into details. Otherwise, this is just going to become a, a very wide-ranging discussion. Let's let's get the, the in inverted commas, controversy um, out of the way first. Um, the use or non-use of VAR. VAR has been used a lot uh, in the tournaments that we are seeing at the moment in this couple of months uh, in the middle of 2019. Um, for those of you who are you know, coming to this podcast several years down the line, um, the Under-20 World Cup saw a lot of use. The Women's World Cup has seen a lot of use, which hasn't been particularly well applied, largely because, um, of course, the, the women referees haven't had any... Had, hadn't, haven't had, haven't had the benefit, let me get my teeth in properly, um, of having any test um, tournaments before now. The, the Women's World Cup is the test tournament for that. Um, and in the Copa America, as well as, I'm sure, the Gold Cup and the African Cup of Nations, neither of which, rather infuriatingly for me, are being televised here in South America, which is a shame because I would have liked to watch them. Um, but anyway, they've been used very, very frequently. 
it wasn't used at all during Brazil versus Argentina, in spite of Argentina having, as Andres says, two um, very big penalty shouts. Uh, there was a push slash barge on Nicolas Otamendi uh, from, I think it was Artur, right? Yes, yes. Um, under a free kick. And there was another point immediately before Brazil's second goal when Argentina were pushing hard for an equaliser um, where Lionel Messi tried to slip the ball through to Sergio Aguero. The pass was cut out, um, but Aguero's run also ended up uh, with him hitting the deck. I have to say that when I saw it live, when it actually happened, I, I thought, ah, oh, no, he's just... He wasn't looking where he, it wasn't a dive, but he's, he wasn't looking where he's going. He's just run full pelt into Danny Alves there, and that's why he's fallen over. Um, and then I saw a replay from a different angle, which somebody sent me on Twitter, and I thought, mm, no, okay, yes. that looked like a, a deliberate trip. <laughs> that that made the, the the defenders or this the, the other players of Argentina to be like this uh, disconnected to the to the to the play, the following play in which ended with the goal. Yeah, it was which, still a brain fart though, because yes. I mean, you've got to play to the whistle. You know, as soon as you see that the referee hasn't given it, then you can't just assume. Oh, yes. ma maybe they did. Ma ma guess, maybe they course. thought, well, Var's going to pull it back because that was such a clear foul. Um, but even so, you've got to make sure that you know that the referee is going to let the ball go out of play before going to Var. So make sure that when it goes out of play, it's not out of play yes. because it's in the back of your yeah, neck. You're playing in the final of Copa America and you can't say, oh, well, I stopped running because uh, I thought that the referee would will, will award the penalty. Mm. No, you can't, of course. Indeed. Um, So, following the game, the AFA, the, the same body, by the way, who we were discussing last week with English Dan, uh, we were telling you, you might remember, about San Jorge de Tucumán holding a sit-down protest on the pitch at the end of the third division Federal A playoff final. Um, and uh, what happened, I think it happened after we recorded, you might have been aware if you were following me on Twitter, um, San Jorge de Tucumán have been forcibly relegated for that protest, so they'll be playing in the fourth division um, next season. Uh, this was after, as we did mention on last week's podcast, the um, head of the disciplinary committee for the federal, um, the Consejo Federal, the federal council of the AFA, uh, stood down saying that the game had been rigged. That same body, the AFA, sent a letter to Conmebol complaining <laughs> that, that, that the game was rigged against yes. them. Um, and, and not only I mean, made the, uh, San Jorge uh, be relegated to the Federal B or the Regional, I think it's Regional, uh, but also uh, eight of the players, or I, I think all of the players that were sitting in the, in the pitch uh, were... Suspended for eight matches, I think. Yes, and the uh, technical teams, the the, the coaches uh, were all suspended for 12 games as well. Yes. Um, so that's not a particularly edifying situation for, for the effort to say, on the one hand, no, you're not allowed to, to complain about this stuff. When their own disciplinary person has said that he has his suspicions about how the match was refereed, and then for them to go running and, and you know put themselves in San Jorge de Tucumán's position, albeit of course Argentina didn't refuse to continue playing when that second Brazil goal went in. But. And uh, among other other ridiculous things, the letter says that, uh, like like I I said uh, before, that if the penalties will have been awarded or the bar will have worked the other night, the, the Argentina will have qualified or, or will have uh, won against mm. Brazil. And that's, of course, something that we can say for sure. Yeah, because penalties never get saved or missed, uh, especially where Argentina are concerned. Um, they did have good moments, though, in, in the game. It was a positive performance. As we mentioned, they hit the woodwork twice. Um, 
was it Sergio Aguero the first time? Yeah, headed against the crossbar yes. from, from a Messi free kick in the first half. And then Messi himself hit the post um, in the second half. Um, it was also the, ma- the best the match of... for him uh, because mm. previously to... Uh, or after Venezuela, the Venezuela match, he said he admitted that it, this wasn't his best Copa America, uh, and he, apparently he took it seriously because uh, against Brazil was it appeared the, some Messi or, or parts of the Messi that we or Argentinian supporters used to say that uh, was the, the Barcelona one uh, that didn't, didn't appear in Argentina. But he's, uh, I think, logically with 32 years uh, old, uh, he doesn't have the, the, he's not able of, of winning all the one on one on one challenges anymore. I think mm. uh, his physical, his physical condition will logically be worse than it was 10 years ago, five years ago. So and of course the defenders do their job. Uh, in, in fact, Tite admitted also that. Uh, Messi made them change their uh, tactics or their offensive approach to a more defensive one. Yeah, um, uh, it, it's it's been an interesting copper from that point of view because uh, I, I feel like we're getting a bit of a glimpse into how he might adapt his game as as his legs begin to desert him. At the moment, he's still got them; he, he can still, you know, run in bursts um, and and take people on. But as you say, he's starting to. There are just some hints I, I, during the season as well, you know, uh, for Barcelona. Starting to see just a few hints that he's getting a little bit easier for defenders to tackle. So I think he's going to become more, you know, not that he's ever been a bad passer, but he's, he's going to become more of a passer and a bit less of a dribbler um, as time goes on. Um, you know, we've seen that really throughout his, his career when he was young. He was running at people all the time and then he started laying it off more. But I think we're going to see that process speed up now. Um, he is going to be... I think it's probably safe to say he's going to be involved still uh, for Argentina. Um, in his post-match comments, he, he had some very positive things to say about the younger players coming through, about the new generation. And that, I think, is an important statement for him to be making, given how much stuff there has been said over the last five years about how well, Messi picks the team, it's all Messi's mates, that's why Aguero and Di Maria and Higuain keep getting called up and all the rest of it. Um, so for him to say, you know, to, to make a point of, of praising the performances of some of the younger players coming through and to say, you know, we've got a really good base to build on here um, is is an interesting um, yes, he talked thing. As a captain, which he is, but uh, talking to the group, saying that and saying that if, he, if they need him, he will help. Uh, but assuming that he he's not, of course, the, the same player that he was or he used to be, like I said, uh, a couple of years ago, because he will won't have the same condition, and Quata 2022 is far, and he will have 35 years old, of course. But uh, he talked like a captain, something that some people were like demanding him, uh, and that that words, those words, uh, ended with an, an, an ovation from the the other players or right, an applause. Uh, because they needed that. They have been eliminated by Brazil, which is painful, uh, playing dec- decently, of course, and, mm. and, and that world was needed by them, I think. Yeah. Um, the players then who, who we've seen in the Copa America, I, want to, I, I saw them, I'm going to admit, I, I watched them doing this or listened to them while I was cleaning out the cat's toilet. 
doing this on ESPN during the afternoon, um, Andres. But I wanted to uh, just go through. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the names, and then you tell me whether you think each player, um, the players in question, have, have passed or failed the test that they had in the Copa America. Um, so, first of all, and obviously I'll, I'll give my opinion as well, but you, you give yours first. Um, so, Franco Armani, we'll, we'll, we'll just go through the, the starting eleven to start with. Well, he started bad, badly, perhaps. I, I will remember the uh, the blooper or mistake against Colombia uh, that almost ended with a goal for them, for Colombia. Then he improved and even saved some important balls or goals. Uh, so he didn't fail. He passed it uh, slightly, I think. Uh, but he, he will continue, I think, in the team. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree. He, he looks much more at home now after he's had a bit of a, a run in the team. I suspect, by the way, that that rather cliched statement is going to be used a few times while we're talking about the for the next few minutes. Um, I Personally, I would still have Sergio Romero ahead of him as first-choice goalkeeper, um, but among the goalkeepers who Scaloni appears to be uh, actually considering for the national team role, Armani, I think, looks a much safer pair of hands now than he did at the start of the tournament. Next, we have a few candidates for right-back. Renzo Sarabia and Juan Foyt. I'm, I'm going to give you together. It's easy. What do you think? Uh, well, it's easy to, to, to say that, or to see that Foyt passed the... the or won, if, if there was a competition between Foyt and Sarabia, the one who won it was Foyt, of course. Yeah, I mean, I, I was disappointed in Sarabia, yes. I must say. Um, Foyt... I think Dan and I talked about last week ahead of the um, of the quarterfinal. Foyt was a big gamble um, on Scaloni's part. It's not a gamble that I would have taken um, if he, you know, played him in, in at right back in a few of the friendlies prior to the Copper. Then sure, that's a different matter. But he hadn't done. Um, it turned out to be a gamble that paid off. It, it turned out to be a really good piece of judgment. I, I'm not a huge fan of the idea of saying that Juan Foyt is now going to have a really long and successful career at Argent- for Argentina at right back um, because I can't imagine he's going to get that many games at right back for Spurs it, surely his long term future has got, it's got to be at centre back if you want to you know, use players in their best positions um, but I guess he's, he's shown that he can be a, a decent utility well, option there Simeone uh, in an interview that La Nación uh, uh, made or what Simeone uh, gave to La Nación, he said that uh, there were a lot of teams playing with uh, centre-backs in the place of a right-back mm. or left-back. Uh, so it's not that strange. Um, yes, of course, he's perhaps for it, uh, appeared much more uh, uh, comfortable than I thought he would be playing there. Uh, but I think he, he ended a, a, a great tournament. And uh, if we are not being fair to, to Sarabia even because he played only one match, the first one in which Argentina, it was the, the worst match for, for Yeah, them. that's true. I mean, he, he was overrun and he was definitely a big part of, of why Argentina lost. But at the same time, yes. the team was so poorly set up that he didn't have a lot of cover ahead of him either. And, um, and I think the mistake was to to uh, make, make Casco play there because he's, hmm. if there is a place where he usually plays, uh, it's in the, in the left. Uh, at least for it, uh, I, I, I think he played for Spurs not that uh, very matches or not a lot of matches but he played uh, in the case of Casco I think if he, he played one match there for River it's, it, it is 
One or two matches, not ma- not more than that. Yeah. Um, okay, so moving inside, Herman Petzela. I think they, that to to save time, both uh, both centre backs were uh, were awful. Oh, you reckon? Interesting. Yes. I'd, I would have. I, I'd not give Petzela a very qualified pass on the Mendy. Shouldn't be called up again. I don't think if Argentina can find any kind of. Um, Alternatives. I'd, I'd I'd rather see Ramiro Funes Mori there. Yes. Never mind. Yes, could else. be. You know, could I'm be. not saying that Ramiro Funes Mori actually should be um, a centre back for Argentina in an ideal world, but Otamendi's legs have uh, close to deserting him, and his judgment on the ball, particularly, is just awful. Um, he yes. nearly put them out of the copper with that foul against Paraguay mm. in the penalty box when there was not really much of a need, or you know, um, yes. I, I think his time is. Has come. Yes, could be. I, I agree. Uh, thinking better uh, because to get two two new centre backs would be very difficult. Apart from that, hmm. uh, and to make another centre back apart from from uh, or to change Otamendi and Petzela would be strange and difficult. I mean, all of that being said, they they both grew into it, and Argentina's defence as a whole looked much more solid. Um, in the last two matches than, than it had done yes. in the previous ones but just Otamendi for me just yes. still didn't really convince apart from from, from Funes Mori we have to see whether Kahneman has another chance when he's better from his injury mm. even then I mean he's like 30 or 31 isn't he that, it, it's a shame that there doesn't seem to be yeah. I mean maybe there are options coming through maybe we can consider that a little bit later um, left back this one should be really quick and easy Nicolás Tagliafico yes he passed he's fine yeah yes. Uh, not spectacular. Um, the the Copa America was certainly not the highlight of the, if we include it in the 2018-19 season, then it wasn't his personal highlight of the 2018-19 season, I don't think. But um, yeah, I think he's made the left-back position his own. Um, going from right to left across the midfield, again, this one should be pretty easy. Rodrigo de Paul. I, yeah, of course, past, yes. I'm surprised to hear yes. myself saying it, given what we said about him before the Copa. And we have to give credit to, to Scaloni for this, because he's the one who... Put him as a as the as a starting in a starting lineup, mm. and and whenever thought thought about him, he finally well it's one good uh, move for him. So yes, yeah, um, yeah, it, it's got a, a decent mix of of skills. You know, he can go wide and he can move inside. His movement complemented yes. Lionel Messi's uh, in particular. Uh, pretty well and, and he combined well and covered Foyt well as well um, another one who I think is going to be easy but who perhaps deserves a little bit more to be said about him Leandro Paredes yes started I think that we will say similar things to what we say, said about Armani when he started the Copa America uh, uh, was quite dull or awful but then he ended Copa America playing really well and yes I think he passed second half against Venezuela I think for me was, was the moment where he really arrived in an Argentina shirt for the first time until then he, he seemed to yes. you know even you know not just in the Copa but in friendlies and in, in the previous matches that we'd seen him play he never seemed quite sure of th- that it was his position he always seemed to feel like oh I'm trying to fill in for somebody else or, or whatever he didn't seem to have the full confidence whoever happened to be in charge um Against Venezuela, I thought he again, as as with Armani, he'd had that run of games that he needed to start to feel like, right, this is my shirt now. You know, I'm I'm, I'm being given. Okay, for some reason, he's playing number five, uh, the, the number five shirt, 
but um, I've, I've been given the only, this shirt in the starting position for a reason. The only thing I will criticize uh, is that he gets angry very, very easily. <laughs> uh, very easily. Yes, indeed. In, which is, you know, part of the yes. great tradition of Argentine footballers in, in a way. Um, but yes, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, on the left, let's go for... I mean, I'm going to name two names together again. Let's go Marcos Acuna and Giovanni Lo Celso. I think that uh, between them, they make one player. <laughs> between both. Yeah, of them. I would agree. Uh, if, if you could have Lo Celso's technique um, with Acuna's uh, effort, yes. <laughs> let's say, then, then you'd, uh, you'd get something. But yeah, I thought they both ended up getting a little bit lost. Acuna ended up being the, the better option for the matches that Argentina had. But, I mean, not the best at controlling a football uh, that Argentina have when, got. Well, before Copa America, you asked me, or I think there was a question from listeners, about the, which players will, uh, you, you will have included in the, in the call-up. And I, I mentioned only one and there, there are a lot of uh, players like him, but uh, Piti Martinez, and in the place, of not playing in the left midfield exactly, but playing more offensively, but he would have been an option there mm. uh, to Acuna or uh, Lo Celso. Yeah. Uh, of course, he doesn't play like Lo Celso, but uh, as a lot of coaches do, instead of play, making play Lo Celso more in the center, he, uh, uh, he, he has been playing in the left. Um, yeah, I wonder whether Lo Celso was a bit of a victim of, of the, the clear need to change something around after the first couple of games um, and he got rotated out the squad because, you know, as we've said Paredes wasn't sort of playing out of his skin at that point either um, but you couldn't, I guess if you're the manager you don't want to change absolutely everything so you've got to keep some of them in and, and maybe in a different world maybe it would have been Paredes rotated out if Argentina had had a, a, you know, a clearer high-level option to, to replace him. Um, and Lo Celso might have kept his place. And then we might be talking about him the other way around. We might be saying, well, you know, Paredes was... Uh, we didn't really see much from him in those two games that he got the chance, whereas Lo Celso grew into it later on. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree. I'd, I'd, that left midfield slot, if we assume that this sort of 4-3-3 or 4-3-1-2 um, is the position, the, the formation to go forward with, then that left midfield slot still needs somebody um, to fill it. Uh, Lionel Messi I mean he's staying in the team isn't he yes. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm not surprised at all that after I don't think he was poor but but you know uh, he said himself it, it wasn't his best Copa America he had a very quiet tournament for me um, I wasn't surprised at all that, that his best performance came in the biggest match um, it wasn't quite enough The one of the points that I've seen made um, is that whereas in the other games the collective the, the, the team were, you know, getting Messi through it. In the semi-final, Messi was trying to get the team through it. And what they need to find, Argentina, I think, need to find some way of, of getting the two, the, 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 let's say the other 10 players playing on Messi's level more often so that Messi can be can be helped out by them often enough to, to not have quite so many of these quiet games. Um, but, yeah, and then I'm going to name the front two together. Um La Torre Martinez and Sergio Aguero, because in a way they're, they're a partnership, right? Yes. The problem is for Aguero will be uh, his age when, when Quattro comes. And, and uh, we, we are sure, or we, I think we, 
we know that Lautaro Martinez is the future of the of the of the attack in Argentina, but uh, his teammate or his other the other striker uh, to be a couple with him, I think is something to 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 see. Yes, of course, if if the World Cup will, was uh, in 2020, we will say Aguero for sure, but. Uh, It's uh, so many time to to go that I don't know what will happen with him in the future. And if there is another player who comes, I don't know. Well, I, I mentioned Icardi the other day, and of course it was or the the last episode I, I came. And of course we know that uh, he uh, sometimes he the things outside the the, the, the matches uh, make him uh, bad and. and And, and not being able to play and of course not being taking account in the national team so we will see about the Aguero yes or no in the future yeah um, I guess we should name a couple of the subs as well uh, difficult really to form an opinion on Paolo Dybala um, based on this Copa America obviously regular listeners are aware that I already have an opinion on Paolo Dybala but in terms of what he got the chance to show in the Copa America It would be very harsh to give him a grade, wouldn't it? The, the, the little time he played, he did it well against Venezuela, especially. Mm. He had like 15 minutes, yes. and then he got thrown on for the last what 10 or 15 against Brazil, and yes. I can't remember him touching the ball. Um, but although I'm not, as most of you are aware, a fan of Dybala for the national team, um, I'm not going to hold that against him because the the game was against Argentina, and uh, as as well by that point, um, and. The other name that we have to ask about, I suspect this is going to be a really easy one, Angel Di Maria. Yes, you are right. <clears throat> no, no, no more. Why? Why is he still being called up now? I mean, he must have compromising pictures of everybody well, who's been Argentina manager for, during the last four or five years. There, there is a, 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 an expression here in Argentina, or one in Spanish, I don't know how you say it in English, but uh, perhaps they, they, they are still calling him up para no quemarlo, I mean, incendiarlo, to hit him, hmm. or to burn, burn him, in, in, the, in the meaning of, uh, to say, yes, you are, you are uh, to blame, or you are... Uh, yeah, to not turn him into a, a, a curse, kind of thing, so that people don't continue to say, oh, Di Maria was the reason that we didn't win all of those things, they're hoping they'll win something with him in the team hmm. still. Um, you know, a, a lot of people, I, I, I knew Argentines back when I first came here, who were convinced that Javier Sanetti was a curse on the national team, or that Roberto Ashala was a curse on the national team. And then you looked at who came after them for right-back and centre-back, and you thought, well, those two guys were the reason that Argentina didn't win anything. Come on. Um, but there we have it. Uh, we're going to take a half-time break now, and when we come back, we will discuss which grade, whether it was a pass or fail, we would give to the manager, Lionel Scaloni, and... Perhaps just as importantly, uh, what happens next to the manager, Lionel Scaloni? So don't go away.
Okay, welcome back for the second half. Just to warn you all, we've been drinking mate during the first half because uh, it's bloody cold here in Buenos Aires and I'm living in a much colder flat than I was a few weeks ago. Um, I am now switching to Fernet, so if I start to not make any sense um, in about half an hour's time, then that will be why. Um, anyway, moving on, or rather continuing, uh, where we were in the first half, Lionel Scaloni. Pass or fail? Fail even when uh, Argentina played better in the two last matches. Uh, he he. The problem is that he made the path the the the, the, uh, the other way in which most coaches do. Uh, first, to coach clubs, win things with those clubs, or at least be recognized or be uh, gain that expertise in those clubs, and then to award the possibility to. Uh, be the coach of a, of a national team which is a much different work um, not only because of the responsibilities also because it's a different kind of job uh, and he was put there uh, because he was the only one with contract in the, in, in AFA uh, so but it, that doesn't mean that he that we have to be more good or, or best with him or, or to have a better qualify uh, or a better performance because he he was not to blame uh, I think that he made some mistakes or several mistakes with the formations and with the changes, uh, even more with the changes than with the starting lineups. Um, Argentina played better against Venezuela and Brazil, but that, that's not enough, I think. No, indeed. I mean, I, I'm kind of reminded of Jurgen Klinsmann when he took charge of Germany to a you know, much better effect. Um, but the first thing to point out is that that Germany side was just a much stronger side. Um, than uh, than Argentina's. But he wasn't. But I think that Klisman wasn't a video assistant. He was the coach assistant, or or wasn't he? But no, sorry. Yes, Klisman was the, the. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, he he he'd been playing much more of a, a sort of hands-on coaching role. But the, the other point is that Germany's um, uh, certification uh, is like way ahead of what any of the other clubs. In you know, obviously, it's a UEFA Pro license or a UEFA A license or whatever that you get. But different countries have different training methods for them. And the German one, take it from somebody who's just been proofreading a book about uh, German coaching methods, um, is, compared with any of the other countries in Europe, is much more in-depth. Um, Scaloni, I've just checked while Andres was, um, was talking, Scaloni says that he has the UEFA Pro licence. Um, he did it in Spain. Um, but, I mean, he has taken over from a much weaker position than, than Klinsmann was able to he might turn out to be in the long term the right manager and, and that appears to be what the AFA are hoping he's got a contract until December this year for some reason I don't know why they didn't give him a contract until the end of the Copa America if they you know, were only planning on him maybe being an interim manager but part of the reason in fact is that we do have an inkling why Claudio Tapia the president of the AFA uh, likes him and to all indications, um, you know, we've been reading and, and listening to a lot of journalists over the last 24, 48 hours. Um, journalists who are able to talk to AFA directors and club directors, um, you know, send them WhatsApp messages without being completely ignored, which is what happens to us if we try and send them WhatsApp messages. I speak from experience. Um, these people say that Scaloni is, is not going to be fired. He's going to remain in charge until December. And the most likely situation at the moment looks like 
Lionel Scaloni continuing as Argentina manager into 2020 um, and for the then subsequently for the World Cup qualifying campaign. Um, one thing that I did see suggested earlier was that Scaloni himself has got some offers from clubs, apparently. We don't know which clubs, we don't know where. Um, and might want to encourage the AFA to give him a contract extension now to cover the World Cup qualifying campaign, um, or at least to cover next year's Copa America, if that's what the AFA are envisioning, rather than wait until December and then get somebody new in. Because, you know, if they're not going to, if they're not, if they're not going to extend his contract, then from his point of view, it would make more sense to be able to take a club right now um, and start the season with them. And, uh, well, uh, apparently, or what I read in the, the, the video graph, on Fox Sports, we are that we are watching in mute. Uh, I read that not only Tapia supports Scaloni, but also the players. So uh, yes, if yeah. if that happens, we will have to. It's I think it's decided that he continues. And, and, and apparently, apart from that, there is like we are have like we have been saying since a lot of time ago uh, that uh, there is no other coaches. Of, uh, I mean, uh, he did well for what, what he was capable of, of doing and there is there is no other other coach it's, you have to, no, no. to wait and, and, and keep him in the, in the charge uh, the, the Mauricio Macri the president of Argentina who is if there is something he knows about is about football uh, he I read that he wants Gabriel Hayes for that position uh, and if Mauricio Macri says it then it's definitely the right thing to do yes um, I, I will say I will well if, if I yeah, if I am Heinze I will be so glad because uh, <laughs> look what happened to Almiron another coach that he said was the, the appropriate one for, for national team indeed um, I just backtracking a second to, to what you said you know I, I think that Scaloni therefore you mentioned that that the players like him and the, the group as a group Argentina seem together in a way that they certainly didn't last year at the World Cup under San Paoli. Um, it seems to me that I, I'm still not convinced that Scaloni is the right person, uh, is the right manager. Um, I'm correcting myself there because part of my point is he might be the right person. I'm not convinced whether he's the right manager. Um, he doesn't seem the best at, at reading matches. But then I kind of think, so, okay, a lot of his subs, we made, I made this point with Dan last, last week, a lot of his subs didn't change games when Argentina needed to change the game. But, you know, we, you and, and Dan and me sat down to record before the Copa America. We went over the, the squad list that was there. I think we all agreed that it was a bit of a meh squad list. But we also all agreed that there wasn't really anybody performing at a high enough level to have, especially in the midfield, yes. to have broken into that squad list who, who wasn't in it. So... On the one hand, I think, okay, maybe if he'd named a different squad, he could have made changes that would have changed the game more. But then you sit down and you think, well, right, but who would that have been? I mean, maybe one or two names in the defence, but not really anybody to take um, the game forwards. I uh, mean, Paolo Dybala, yeah, okay, lots of people are going to say he was underused, but as I keep saying, he's rubbish for Argentina almost every time he plays. So. Yeah, there aren't there are really players who would really change what Argentina did. For example, if I were a, a, a Termo... River supporter, I will say, hey, call up Enzo Perez. How, how come you didn't call? Or, or Leonardo Poncio, who is mm. old, but he's showing he's, old, he's still playing at 
mostly good or yeah, but rhythm. At but South American club level. Yes, and and but anyway, uh, even calling them him, calling them up, uh, wouldn't have changed the equation or or no. all the team. Uh, in, in, instead of to call them up instead of Paredes and Guido Rodriguez um, so yes there aren't that much players and there is thing there is uh, there was a thing I was going to say uh, about Scaloni uh, something that has that doesn't have to do that, that much with him coaching but it's good anyway for him which is I, I uh, watched the other day uh, the match or the highlights of the match against Nigeria in the World Cup in Russia 2018, the match that Argentina won in the end. And uh, I saw Scaloni uh, with the hug with, uh, to the other, hugging to the other players, or the, all of the players. So he he's well inside the group. I mean, he's uh, appreciated by the other play, by the players because he was there uh, as part of the coaches' team. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's something that perhaps... It's good for the players, and, and they prefer a, a, a non, a non that not that good but non coach than that a good but not that non coach. Yes, indeed. Um, I, I think that if any you know other players are going to be coming through, then they're going to have to come through from the youth side. We will talk about that in a bit because we've had a question about it. Um, and in terms of the alternative managers, there are three names in. Well, there are two names in particular. Uh, Andres has already mentioned one of them, Gabriel Hainse. Um, I did make uh, a very rare, as most of you will be aware, blog post last night, um, summarising my thoughts on the three main names who I consider to be Hainse, um, Marcelo Gachardo and um, Chacho Coldet, who I'm a little confused and surprised hasn't really been talked about as much, given that he's done really well with Rosario Central and then just won the league with Racing, playing in exactly the kind of style of football that you would think would suit the Argentine national team. Um, I can't see why he's not been talked about more widely. If I were president of the AFA, um, then I, I think that the thing that would make most sense from the Argentine national team's point of view and leaving club allegiances and everything aside would be to go as hard as you can for Marcelo Gachardo because he's clearly... Um, of the realistic options, you know, there's a reason that nobody is mentioning Diego Simeone and Mauricio Pochettino um, in this conversation. They're, they're clearly just way outside what the African hope for. Um, Gachardo of, of, of the options domestically based is is clearly the best, and um, the you know, apart from anything else as well, he, he, knockout football is his speciality, and, and uh, international football is you know, big tournaments is knockout football essentially. Um, with Caudet and, and Hainse also both very interesting proposals, I think. Um, all of them, in my opinion, would, would be obviously better than Scaloni as, as bosses. Um, but we'll have to see. I mean, I, I hope that we're wrong about Scaloni in the long term. I hope that he can prove us wrong. It, it, it might happen. I'm a little more optimistic that it can happen now after this Copa America than I was before it. But... Um, Ultimately, I think he's still got a lot to learn in terms of how to read a game um, and in terms of how to set up his tactics because yes. Argentina and, and still we, aren't great. And when he talks uh, in, in the press conferences, he still is like out of... Uh, he he says, usually says things that aren't real, for real, uh, saying that Argentina deserve to qualify. Uh, and, well, of course, if you have two 
shots in the in the post or one in the post or another in the bar in the bar uh, the, the the feeling you have is that they deserve to score but uh, in the overall in the 90 minutes I think that it's clear that Argentina didn't deserve to win uh, yes, Brazil is a much better team and he of course perhaps to give a message to the players uh, inside the, 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 the restroom he had to say that that Argentina deserved to win and that well uh, yes he I think he has a lot of things to learn still uh, but apparently he will they he will learn them as as well uh, as while he's the coach because uh, uh, like you said apparently he will continue there so yeah I mean we'll still have to wait and see maybe everybody's wrong about that maybe he won't but at the moment it looks like he's still going to be manager at least for next year's Copa America um, and we will have to uh, just put up with that really and yeah if you want to then go and have a look at my blog and you can read the blog post if you have a look on my Twitter then there's, there are a couple of links to it um, we'll move through to listeners questions at this point um, I'm just scrolling down to all the notifications I've had since I last logged into the Hand of Pod account um, here we go so let's scroll up from here um, oh god there's conversation about last week's Hand of Pod extra there Thank you very much to our Patreon supporters, of course. And if you want to be one and find out what the conversation's about, then you can go to patreon.com slash handofpod and sign up for it. Um, Ronnie Mazumda says... No, he doesn't. Hang on. Nope, that's a continuation of the of another conversation. Uh, Daryl Hussey says... Hi, Sam. Do you know if many in the Argentine media expect Scaloni to go at the end of the year and replace him before the Copa 2020? <laughs> We've just mentioned. We've just answered that one. If not, then why not? If so, do you yourself think that Gachardo would leave River if offered the national job? That last question we haven't um, answered. So Gachardo's contract runs until the end of 2021, which is when Rodolfo Donofrio's mandate is up. Donofrio himself uh, told, I think it was a radio station yesterday that um, there are no uh, clauses or anything linked into it, so there's no absolute set fee that the AFA would have to pay if they wanted to take Gachardo, and that if the national team came calling, River you know, would would allow him to talk um, to them because it's, it's, it's him who ultimately has to make the decision. Um, Gachardo hasn't got on fantastically well with the AFA, though. So it, it's a bit of an interesting one. I, when I said, if I was the president of the AFA, that I would want to go for Gachardo, um, that's not necessarily to say that, that Chiqui Tapia wants to go for Gachardo. Um, right? Yes, yes the, the ones that... Uh, or the one who uh, said that Gachardo, or he would talk with Gachardo, if he had to, was Angelisi, the president of Boca. Mm. So he, of course, uh, has to do with AFA, but... Uh, not uh, neither uh, Tapia nor nor um, Moshano said something like that. Uh, and Angelisi, of course, if you are a River supporter, will say yes. Angelisi said this because he wants Gachardo out of River. Well, that could be real, but uh, uh, truth is that Afa itself uh, didn't also show signals to think about the meeting with Gachardo. No. Indeed. Uh, next question is from Niger Nick, who says, are there any decent youngsters yet to get a senior national team call-up 
who could make a difference to Argentina's problem positions. He clarifies basically every position. So first of all, I'm going to say I think um, that uh, we can um, it, that it's not quite every position. Right back is certainly a problem position. And I'm just looking now at the under 20, the most recent under 23 and under 22 squads because the Pan American Games are about to happen, um, and there are no right backs in them, which just underlines the paucity of right backs for some reason in Argentine football. Um, but other than them, I think that in the medium to long term, um, Lisandro Martinez for at centre back would be an interesting option, um, as would moving over to the other tab. Um, and possibly Nguyen Perez but he's going to have to start getting more games I think for Atletico Madrid um, he's, and he's only 19 so it's a big risk at centre-back frankly um, and then from the midfield four three really easy names to pick out because I picked them out after the under-20 World Cup uh, um, Ezequiel Barco um, although he's really really young Pedro de la Vega he, he does play more as a winger and Argentina don't really use wingers at the moment but I'd, I'd like to see him involved in some way um, and Gonzalo Maroni I think could could do a, a job as well uh, or at least get those lot involved in the squad um, up front obviously Lautaro Martinez is coming in and, and is looking good and other than him uh, maybe Julian Alvarez and, and Adolfo Geich but I think that they're going to need a, a few more games at, at sort of under 20 under 20 yes. under 23 level um, first of all, or, or again, bring them into the squad and get them training, but it's going to be a while before they're actually ready to start. I would rather say that even not youngsters, the new players or the players that uh, Scaloni put, as it was demanded because they are, they are, it, it was needed a change, and Scaloni partially made it. Uh, for example, uh, yes, the Paul Foyt and uh, um, Lautaro Martinez, they are not that youngsters, Hmm. I think Lautaro Martinez is some, uh, the younger, youngest of, of all of Lautaro Martinez is 21. Well, uh, um, so yeah, he's, he's younger, as you say. Foyt is, oh, Foyt's 21 as well, in fact. So we've got a couple of relative youngsters. Uh, the other one who I've forgotten about is Ezequiel Palacios. Yes. Um, he's a bit more, again, a, a bit more of a deep line midfielder, but I wonder whether he could do that job in, in the sort of. Yes, it's the, the, that, that role where we were talking earlier about Acuna and, and Lo Celso. Never, neither of them quite fitting it on the left side of the three-man midfield. Whether whether Palacios might be worth a go there, but he's twenty, so he's still young. But I guess at some point you have to give him the reins, see what he can do. Uh, so those would be some suggestions. Yes, but the conclusion is that um, they are not, uh, and, and as we said, and, and we uh, that they are not that uh, much right and left backs and uh, midfielders. Hmm. Indeed. Um, Little Bird says, Is it just me, or did the AFA ruin a perfectly valid point in the letter that they sent to Connebol? Much like Enzo Perez's infamous Inventaron el Bar, which is what he claimed after um, Lanús put River Plate out of the Copa Libertadores at the semi-final stage in 2017. 17. Um, trying to blame the defeat on poor VAR usage undermined the valid point that something's not quite working with it, much like the complaints in the Women's World Cup. Um, Andres, any thoughts? Yes, of course. And we, we talked about that, I think. Uh, the, the letter sent by Tapia uh, was ridiculous in a lot of points. Um, even when it's true that the VAR didn't work and it was ridiculous too, uh, apparently there was something not working with VAR that they fixed 
as they say, uh, just before the match was played. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm a bit more of a defender of VAR than it might be fashionable to be at this point. Um, and I think that uh, the the main thing that was underlying... I mean, first of all, so the Women's World Cup, as I kind of hinted earlier, I think is a bit of a separate issue because you're talking about completely separate refereeing teams who haven't had anywhere near as much experience with it. Um, and the main problem, you know, on uh, on Tuesday night with the VAR wasn't... The, the, the VAR wasn't the problem. The problem was that the referee apparently refused to look at, at it when, when the bloke was saying into his ear, look, you need to check out these penalty decisions again because they might be they're, they're worth reviewing you know and, and he refused to use it yes. that was the issue in the same way as when we see these goals ruled out for very very marginal offsides as I said a few months ago in the context of some goal that got scored in the Super League I think um, it's not really what the offside rule was invented for it, it wasn't invented so that you got ruled out if you were a millimetre behind and moving very rapidly in the opposite direction of, of what the defender was um, you know that that millimeter in that case isn't going to make a difference. It was invented so that people can goal hang. Um, and the problem, in my opinion, is more to do with the offside rule in that instance than it is to do with VAR. What VAR is doing is magnifying everything and bringing it to such a level where the problems with the rule become that much more noticeable because we just didn't really treat it as noticeable before. Um, and so it, it's. I mean, I, I I agree that just blaming it on. on poor VAR usage undermines it but the point is the key word there is usage um, rather than VAR for me and and yes obviously yes. the AFA undermine their own argument because they're the AFA that's what they do and in this particular case of Argentina-Brazil I think it was like the referee not awarding a penalty because VAR is, mm. is, is managed by referees so yeah. uh, and we mentioned this I think um, that uh, of course it's not that VAR didn't work I, I said it I think uh, uh, wrongly, but uh, uh, the point is that the referees didn't want to use the bar, which is the same situation as this. the referee. The referee doesn't award the penalty hmm. independently of the bar or not bar. Yeah, and and the one thing that I think that actually maybe the AFA had a point in was was asking for Commonwealth to release the audio of the conversation between the referee and the VAR, um, and that's something that I mean I I said this to. Alejandro Casar, the sports editor of La Nación, last night on Twitter. Um, there are other sports where it happens. I remember going to um, a rugby game with, with my dad at Twickenham, um, where people, we didn't, but there were people beforehand buying earpieces so that they could hear what the referee was saying, the mic'd up referee on, on the pitch was saying to his assistants through their communicators. Um, that was in 1997. It's 22 years ago. How come football <laughs> doesn't have... The ability to, you know, the accountability to allow us to hear the conversations between the referee and the and the VAR. Um, yes, what what is it you have to hide? Uh, exactly, precisely. It, it, even if there's nothing to hide, even if it was just incompetent refereeing rather than a fix, or you know, or, or whatever, put it out in the open. I mean, you know, so that everybody knows. Because otherwise, especially in South America, where everybody's got, you know, I've commented before, everyone's got a conspiracy theory about something here. You know the world is always against you. Um, just just put it out there so, that, so there's no doubts. So they can say, well, you know, you've got the transcripts there. You can see, you can hear the VAR telling him, no, and you know what, it's not really. There's no case for it. Don't worry about them. They don't show the either the play, and and you know which is the play they are re- re- reviewing. Yeah. Uh, so yes, it's ridiculous. 
it's uh, feeds suspicious theory, theories, of course. The the coverage is also obviously not the best on on television of, of these uh, things, and and that to me at least partly suggests that the broadcasters themselves are, are being you know are largely kept in the dark as well. It's not that the audio uh, exists from their point of view and they're not showing it; it's that nobody is getting to hear the audio, um, and that's not great for accountability in in any you know field of of work. Uh, Little Bird also says, shirts aside, or you know, I think he means club um, allegiances aside, uh, whether by overusing it or underusing it. Oh, sorry, he's still talking about VAR, sorry. So yeah, in, regardless of who you support, in other words, whether by overusing it or underusing it, many teams were, uh, inverted commas, unjustly treated with it across many competitions. Often the complaints focused too much on we lost because of it. So the underlying issue is kind of swept aside. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, before VAR came in, those penalties wouldn't have been awarded because the referee didn't want to, and then Argentina would have been complaining about that as well. And I think you just have to try and focus on doing things better yourselves. Um, it's not to say there isn't a conspiracy, but I, there might very well not be as well, so yes. don't be too conspiratorial about things. I don't know. Refuse to play the next Copa America that's hosted by Brazil, if you're that bothered about it. And also, don't relegate teams to your own third division and then... Sorry, to your own fourth division and then go complaining for you know very there similar reasons that it's rigged against you. One of the directors uh, or chiefs uh, of Ole said that the match has to be played again. Yeah, I mean that's. I, I stopped following Ole on Twitter and I removed the Ole tab from my homepage tabs months ago because I just finally got fed up with them and realised I was never looking at their stuff. And um, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all that they would say that. Just ridiculous. Um, Sobstel says is Scaloni a better coach now than he was two weeks ago winky face well we have already said no I mean I'm, I'm going to say actually tentative possibly yes because you know he's coached what three or four more matches than he had two weeks ago and in his case well of course and competitively that means that he's, he's now coached five times the number of games competitively than he had done two weeks ago well, he, so he's bound to be better if he's well, learning from his mistakes well, he was the coach for five games when against uh, before against Colombia he hadn't been been, been the coach of any of, of any match. No, indeed. At, at, at his point in his career, I'd be really worried if he didn't feel, and if if people closer to him than we are didn't feel that he was improving as a coach day by day. Um, so the literal answer to the question is yes. Um, in terms of obviously whether we think that he's the absolute best option for Argentina, that's a very different question, and we've already given you the answer to it. Um, Sob still also says, final question of the week, um, is it me or was Juan Foyt one of the most confident players on the pitch? And all of that despite quite a few clumsy tackles. He didn't seem to care. I guess Coutinho might agree here as well. Yes, I agree. Yeah, um, I would. As, as I said, I, it was a gamble. It was a gamble I wouldn't have taken um, in Scaloni's position, but it was a gamble that came off. So, well done. Um, that's it. That was Hand of Pod for this week. Uh, we're going to be back next week to review the third place playoff and just tidy up a few more things. I thought it'd probably be quite a short episode next week, I imagine, but we'll see what happens. Um, and then we'll probably take a week off uh, after that and come back to you in like two weeks after that to start previewing the new season because that gets going, of course, at the end of July. And the first match that the big teams, I mean, River, Boca, San Lorenzo and the other... Uh, teams that play Copa Libertadores is just the round of 16 of Copa Libertadores. Oh yeah, that's that same week, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, but we're still. I, I really, really want to take a, 
have a week to yes. not have to edit anything. So we'll probably take a week off in a couple of weeks' time, a winter break, as it were. Um, but anyway, that's for a couple of weeks' time. We'll be back next week, however briefly. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you to our Patreon supporters who are about to get a Hand of Pod Extra, which we're about to record as well. Um, for now, thanks and goodbye from Andres. Thank you, goodbye. And from me, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>